0: A very good morning to you. Welcome in to Galway Greats on this Monday morning, and we have a Galway Great sitting opposite us uh, today. Don Stiff uh, sits opposite me today. Don, morning to you. Good morning, Keith. How are you? You are a Galway Great, so you are. I'm good. Listen, tell me a little bit about your your early life. Um, you grew up in Borehamore, but you have, you have a story to tell.
1: Well, I did. I grew up. um I was in Borehamore. Would say all of my life. Uh, the early part of my my life as a baby, I suppose, uh, the first three months of my life, uh, three and a half months were spent in Sean Ross Abbey, mother and baby home mm-hmm. in in Ross Grey in County Tipperary. And I was adopted from there by my uh, now deceased parents, God rest them, Margaret and Don Stiff, and I was brought to Bournemouth and uh, spent all my youth growing up there. A lovely community, great place to grow up and um, lovely neighbours and good, great family and um, went to school locally and
0: uh, life was a ball. Uh, salt of the earth what um, <laughs> is is the way you would say to pe- the people of Borhamoa where they really still are like salt of the earth and they're very honest people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, if you ask me what sticks out in your head about um the one thing I would carry with me is been a young lad uh, going around up the street in Cook's Terrace where I came from, and seen brown cakes on the window sills with uh, you know tea towels wrapped around them. A yeah. uh, lot of the women were like any other community in 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 Galway or County, Galway. They were all self-sufficient, baking their own bread. Um, if you were short a bit of sugar, you go to the neighbour, or if, uh, uh, as they say, a grain of tea you yeah. go you go out to the neighbour next door and people helped each other out. Um,
0: A great community. So did you go to Saint Brendan's and just up at the
1: top of Sandy Road here? I did, I did. We um as I suppose you when you look back at the book, Alice Taylor's book, The School Through the Fields, um, yeah. we we just left Cook's Terrace, we walked two months up the road and practically you were kind of you were in the countryside because you had all the fields behind the school. Uh, at that time uh, there was known locally as Hadley's land, Hadley's Fields. And um, it just took us two minutes to walk up, and we were in. We were in our school. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable, you know. And then for
0: secondary school, then did did you stay local? Then Did you go to Moine?
1: Yeah, I went another couple of hundred yards then down, down the down the road, down the road <laughs> 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 into Moinegishia. And uh, again, you know, um, well, when we were going to Saint Brendan's, there was a lot of local people. But when we went to Moinegishia, then you had the lads, and it was a mixed school, so you had the girls and the lads from the country coming in as well. So. And, you know, most of the lads, we were still together, but we incorporated into through uh, different people from, you know, the likes of Clare Galway and Clare Bridge and Castle Gare and all them Tor places. Yeah, yeah, all them. It was great. Mixture.
0: And, and at that stage, did you know that you had, primary school or secondary, that you had um, a talent for music?
1: Uh, well, in the primary school, I was... Um, You know, I would sing, I'd be asked to sing a couple of songs uh, later on, we'll say towards maybe fifth, sixth class, um, because I was always humming and singing. And at that stage, when I was nine or ten years of age, I joined St. Patrick's Brass Band as well. So, um, you know, I I was keen on music. I was interested in music. Uh, The parents bought me a guitar when I was eight. So there was something going on musically and people around me were aware of that. So it was just a a natural process for me.
0: And again, just a natural process for education. Did you enjoy education? Did you enjoy, um,
1: Brendan's? Did you enjoy morning? I I enjoyed, I enjoyed the company in the school. It was a great place to. Um, I was I was easily distracted, and as I was told, I would distract others as well. Um, you know, we were all the time missing. Um, I didn't take it really serious, to be honest with you. Um, um, same with my when we moved to Monagisha, um um, I stayed there a few years. I didn't fulfil it out till the end. Um, but you know, to this day, I, I, I meet some of the the teachers that were. I often remember having a great chat with Philip Cribben, mm. um, senior, and, and yeah, junior. and yeah, senior and junior. Um, but um, sometimes school academically didn't mean didn't get on well together. Mm. Um, but um, I enjoyed going. You know, it was seeing the lads and. People used to, I don't know what uh, was, Keith, but one thing, there used to be dogs down around Bournemouth and they'd all kind of follow me up to the school and they'd be sitting outside the school waiting for me. Get away. <laughs> a load of dogs going up to the school with me and coming down with me, that kind of thing, because we used to ramble the fields and go off and do a little bit of hunting when we were young lads. That's, that was more on my mind than school, unfortunately. But, mm. um, so when you,
0: when you finished in Mónnigísa then, community college, I think it was called at the time, community school, um, what did you do then? Did you focus on music or did you try and make a few bobs?
1: Oh, I didn't. Well, I, I, I kind of hadn't done anything um, really with Musical.ly uh, publicly later on in life. But um, at that particular time, during the summer time, when we get summer holidays from school, I used to go working with my dad in um, in a factory where he was working in Inverton, uh, just outside Spiddle there. There was a factory called CME. Uh, and that was a factory that had moved from actually... Uh, most of the lads that were working there had moved from Potess that's now Terminal King yeah. and um, I went working there in the summer time for my summer jobs and it was sheet metal fabrication and I enjoyed that it was kind of an experience it was a new thing for me um, you know to be working and getting a few quid and bringing home some wages to my mother on a Friday so mm. I was I was kind of saying, When well, there's other things happening here, at least I can make a few quid now. Was it a fair trek, though, from Bournemouth to uh, Inverness? everything? It was, it was, there's no doubt about it, but the fortunate thing for me is that, even though my father worked in the factory, Don Senior, he was he also had the minibus that was bringing the lads in the out to work. Get away. So he'd go up to Ber- Merview in the morning and collect Mike McDonough, he'd collect Bartley Hare, and then he'd come back down and he'd collect me again on wow. <laughs> the way down and head off towards Bern, and Then there was lads he picked up along the road, you know. Wow, so yeah. he was the chauffeur? Oh, he was the chauffeur, the money bus driver. But he was a foreman, he was a machinist, you know, a press um, a press working on the presses. And how long then did you stay in CME? I stayed there then, I went full time when I came out of school. Um, I went there working straight. Um, well, I went working first for about seven months. Um, I was working with an, an English contractor down on O'Connor's, down in St. Augustine Street. There, uh, where they were doing the new O'Connor's place, mm. crossing the church, the store. I was working there for a while, and then after a few months there, that contractor uh, moved away. I went working out in the factory then. And I was there for about eight years, I'd say. Seven wow. to eight years, yeah. Wow. Full time.
0: And what made you decide to give up CME? Were they making heaters, stoves at the time?
1: Uh, well, they were... Um, protests were making the stoves. Uh, 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 but when they moved, when they went out to... To see me, they were making filing cabinets for laboratories oh, in big yes, companies in America. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were doing stuff for um, um, kind of keyboards. The original keyboard that you see today, now, they were doing them. They were doing a lot of uh, ahead of their time. Really. Oh, they were really and doing stuff. I remember doing stuff for Apple and Atari uh, at the time. No one knew what Apple was. Mm-hmm. My God, we all know what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, so you, you stayed there seven to eight years. Yeah. Then. Yeah, I, I was um, there was a there was a girl working in the factory, but she had relations from Connemara, but she was from America, and um, she said to um, she said to me one time she said, "There's lotteries going for visas to America. If you ever want to come over for a holiday," and um, I said, "I'd apply for the visa." Now I went to America the first time I went was in 1991. I was supposed to go with Galway United, Galway Rovers at the time, and that trip was called off. So Michael Nolan, the late Michael Nolan got him They played. Uh we call called Rovers at the time. Michael was working with us, so the two of us went on a trip together in nineteen ninety one and uh, wow. we visited Boston and we had a great trip and like once I got a, a grow for Boston then uh, when I came home I applied for the I applied for the visa. Was that the Morrison visa? That was the Morrison visa, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was Either lucky way. to get it now to be honest with you, wow. you know. Uh, 50,000 lotteries that time, I think.
0: So you had that then for a few years. I had that, yeah. How long did you spend then in the Boston area?
1: I went out there in 93, stayed there for most of 93 and all 94 and came back then after that. My dad kind of picked up a bit of an illness and I used to come back and over to see him. And The more I was coming back home then... (laughs) The more grow you were getting. The more grow I was getting for home again, so... Uh, I was a home bird really, I suppose, at the end of the day. uh,
0: There's a lot of Irish, there's a lot of Galway people, there's a lot of Irish people... Um, in Boston at that stage?
1: Well there was surely, um, there was I mean, even when I went to live in Boston to the house I was living uh, it was a place called Norwood which is about 20 miles south of Boston there was people there from the Melvins down on Prospect Hill, they lived across the road and um, I a neighbour down the road there, Bridie Fall, when she heard where I was going I had to bring out tea to them and biscuits mm-hmm. and all that, so you're quite true you know, the Galway community spread all, all over Boston and the first gig of music I got to play there, when uh, I was offered to do some music, was in the Blackthorn Pub in South Boston, which was co owned by Christy Barrett, who was, and um, Christie Christy has passed away now. He was co owner of the Blackthorn Bar, That's along with right. a man called Frank Gillespie. Wow. Yeah. So gotcha. that was my start kind of in the music there. Now I was coming into the public arena kind of for the first time. And did it take,
0: did it take a lot of confidence to, to start performing in Boston?
1: It did because um uh, you know, I had been going into the sessions here in Galway, going into Tafts on a Friday evening and uh with a you know, mighty great session of music and Tafts on a Friday. Uh but I still hadn't been doing anything public. I I might have been doing an odd gig here and there, but I hadn't really um, you know, stepped into doing it for a profession. So I met I met a I met a lad over there from Cairo, a man called Brenda McGrath, who ended up marrying a girl from Connemara and we formed a, a group called Cupla. Out there, and the two of us had a two-piece going there for the duration of the time I was there. Uh-huh. Anyway,
0: come here to you Give me a bit of music um, around that time that had uh, that inspired you.
1: Well, I remember when I went over to America first. Uh, there was another two-piece of music sent out for me during that time. There was a band from Cork there used to play, and they were like they were used to play, you know, good rock and rock and roll. But one of the songs they used to sing was. Um, Roll Back the Clothes by Christy Hennessy. and like that that song, which I m- might elaborate on in a few minutes a bit more about that song stuck with me. I was you know I was flabbergasted to see how this mm. band would take on a, a beautiful song like Roll Back the Clothes, but they they'd done a fantastic job and it was beautiful. Um, that was that song, and then the other one was the one that was going in the fishermen's blues in the jukeboxes mm. at that time in all the pubs. You know, the Fisherman's Blues was, was the song.
0: What we'll do is we'll go with uh, Roll Back the Clouds from a great friend of mine all his life indeed, Christy Hennessy.
2: Yes, sir, I would sing on Mars I'd play upon a star I'd sing songs of the sun And when my job was done I would say I love you so i like to play one more Just to all young lovers For the road Tell me, son Yeah, just how far I need to go To be a star
0: Good morning to you. We are with Galway Greats indeed and the Galway Great today is Dan Stiff. Just before um, the break there, Dan, we were talking about Christy Hennessy and Roll Back the Clouds and you said we'd come back to it. Uh, he was an absolute gentleman.
1: Oh yeah, I was just fortunate enough to meet Christy Hennessy once and um, uh, I met him outside the Great Southern uh, as it was that time. Uh, one day he passed me with his guitar in his long court and I knew it was him. I had been listening to some of his music and I just said hello to him, uh, and I kept going because I said he Bobby. but when I looked around, he had stood there and turned, so i went back, he, came, he stood there and I went back to greet him, and we spoke briefly, and I thought he was just for my two or three minutes speaking to him, he was a beautiful man, um, so honest and so petite in his voice, even though yeah. he was a tall enough man, but his music was starting to appear, he was, you know, he didn't kind of make it into the public arena, uh, until he was about 52 or 53 years that's of age. Right, yeah. Um And I'd start to be listening. You know, Christy Moore had his hit with Don't Forget Your Shovel If You Want to Go to Work. Well, that was Christy's song. And mm-hmm. then I started listening to him. So Roll Back the Clouds for me, I started to learn it and I started to play it. Actually, I've when I go fishing on the lake you now, my boat is called Roll Back the Clouds. That's what's on Get it. No way. Yeah, but um, well, when I went to the All Ireland Talent show when I was on that music show as well, it, it was one of the songs... Um, I think it was the song maybe I sang in the final of that show, mm. the semi-final. So, you know, I, I I was I was always amused by Christy Hennessy, the man, the poet. You know, he was dyslexic and he couldn't yeah. read or write, but he was... And had a tough life as well. And I mean, had a tough life, A tough life. I mean, he was he was a, a regular
0: in, in this very studio that we're sitting in today, so he was. Yeah. And he was here, and he was great friends with Chris Williams, indeed, from the Brasserie Times. Oh, yes. And uh, Chris used to bring him over and that, but he was just... And then Hermione started coming with him. She was very young at the time. Yes, But uh, she's carrying on the legacy from there. At what stage did you decide to leave America and come home then?
1: Well, that was uh, kind of 94 was it for me. Um, As I said, when my dad just wasn't in the best of health and I made a decision to come home then at the end of 94. So I stayed here and at that stage then I was kind of looking to get back to go working. Uh, So i done a uh, bit of work around in some of the building sites and then I just started looking to get some gigs if I could. So yeah. I just went out and started doing some pub gigs around Galway here. Went back into Taft's Plain and um, went back around Connemara where I used to play when I was uh, going to see him. Out to Carrow, to O'Shea's and places like that. So Yeah, so yeah, you, you got yourself back into it. When did you meet your wife
0: then or where did you meet your wife?
1: Well, I remember I remember being... Um, A funny thing happened to me uh, with the music. Um, I was in Hogan's Bar one evening and there was a a bit of a session going on and I sang a song. So uh, Sean, I think it was Sean or Matt Cain was there and they heard me. And and so I made friendship with them over kind of a couple of months. And then there was a radio show uh, down in Cain's in the aunt's house, Rita and Sarah's house.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think it was a show called The Rambling House by Seamus Shannon at the time. Yeah, yeah. And um and John Duggan, if I can remember back now. That yeah. was the programme and I was invited down to that to sing. I couldn't believe it, Keith, you know. Yeah. I mean, as a as a child, I mean, even to now, Dolores Kane would have been our hero. Yeah. You know, the the voice of Ireland and here I was going down to sit among these great traditional singers. And I went down there and um I sang a song at the programme and there was two lads there from Hedford. There were twins, Tom and Dick Joyce. They're my wife's aunts or they're my wife's uncles, sorry. And um, uh, one of them had a pub in Clonburr, and he invited me down to play some music there. Yeah. So I went down there playing uh, in the Shaskin, and one evening I met his niece, which is my wife, Elaine, now. Get away. And that was. Uh, when did you get married then? Got married in '98. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at yeah at the we top did. Of your head, yeah. Uh, at the top of your head.
0: Yeah. And then was there an, enough music to put food on the table then in, in
1: '98? Uh, it was difficult. It was very difficult uh, to be honest with you know um i went i I couldn't keep going with the music, so I went working with Elaine's brothers who were in the construction, so I was working with them for i'd say the best part of eight to ten years Wow we working there were plasters and stuff like that so wow went working laboring with them, so it was kind of two jobs yeah and Elaine was working in Boston, scientific mm. and uh, you know we start our family, you know, no more than any other couple going at the time, it's just, it's, it's hard. Make ends meet. Yes, exactly, you know, make ends meet. we were start to build our house and all that, so, hmm.
0: you know. And then, when did the music take take off, as in, totally take off for you?
1: Um, About about 2006, people were on to me ever going to make a recording and stuff, so I had made a cassette tape with a man called Gary Quinn from Montpellier, an accordion player. Yeah. Myself and Gary had been friendly and we put it, but after that then I didn't do much recording, so, people so I said I'd try and make a solo album. Yeah. So I went um gathered some songs together and I went out saw till to a man there called Eugene Killini. There's a little studio there in at the top of Taylor Hill. And I started on my first album an album was called Start of a Dream in two thousand and six. And Was that Eugene Kelly or, or Eugene Killini? No, Eugene Killini. Yeah, Killeen. Eugene and I done stuff with I done stuff with Eugene Kelly too. Wow. I Eugene. Wow, yeah. Uh, you know Eugene was a oh yeah, absolutely! What, what, what a gentleman! But that that album kicked off for me, and I launched that album in the Town Hall Theatre mm. in November in two thousand and six, and it was a huge success. Yeah, yeah.
0: And from a music point of view, then, from a do you write music then as well
1: um, and compose and all yeah. that? I I would have I, I I compose and write songs and write the music to it. I haven't done it in the last couple of years. Um, there seems to be a kind of a stop on the brain at the moment. Um, that's okay too, though, because you've been so creative up to this. Maybe the brain needs a break. <laughs> maybe you know the funny thing. Uh, I thought during the COVID that I'd be writing every day because we weren't doing any work. But quite the opposite, I was going out the garden, mm. vegetables and doing stuff in the garden and out in the fresh air. So I didn't get. I didn't get the inspiration. I, I, I think that's the word I have to use. But I have. I've had I've had a couple of nice hits. I've had a I've had a hit there, missing Galway, That's which right, was on yeah. the first album, and yeah. I wrote that from being in Boston. Yeah, um, and a lot, a good few people have taken my songs. Like Nathan Carter, have taken on his last album, took one of my songs and recorded it. One called "The Returning," and Mike Denver has recorded missing Galway and. Brendan Shines, Matt Cain, Sean Cain, a lot of people have recorded mm-hmm. my song. So then the family came along, so then yes. that, that brings
0: with that brings a different dynamic. How many children do well, you have?
1: we have three, uh, God bless them, we have one girl and two boys, we have Roisin who's the oldest and uh, she's 24 now and we have Owen who's 21 and Irla who's going to school, he's 17, he's the last one left in school now. So they're nearly reared
0: and do, do any of them have an interest in music?
1: Um. I would probably say Owen is a very good singer and plays guitar. Um, the rest of them, the other two, will sing too. But they you they don't want to sing. They're, yeah. they're kind of shy. Your,
0: is your wife but, musical? Is she?
1: She doesn't. know. she like she 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 doesn't sing or out. I've ever heard her sing a song. Now, if she was asked at a party or anything. But then again, her, her her like she has. Her uncles are very musical. Tom and Dick Joyce, and mm. um, you know her sister sings as well. Geraldine is a good singer, and there's. There's music on her side of the family anyway.
0: Can I ask you um to give me another bit of music? Um you, you've mentioned uh, Roll Back the Clouds, which we played earlier. Um what would you what would you suggest we play now?
1: Oh God. Um Well I suppose um I might go with the song there called The Returning that I wrote. Um it's it's a story. We always write stories about going away.
0: Yeah. This,
1: this story is about actually going away, but it's about coming back. Oh after no. being away for so long and would that be because of your American experience it would but and it's it's the story is about meeting a person in America that was undocumented and couldn't come home for years and years and then the situation changed he met a girl and got married from the States and was able to come home with their children and to see their parents again which wow. he thought he'd never be able to do so
0: what a lovely story yeah lovely. let's just take that then this is Don
1: will you stay far off distant land, when you dream well and wish to stay, we will understand, and if
0: Well, good morning to you. Welcome back into today's programme. I am with the legend that is uh, Don Stiff indeed and he sits opposite me uh, this morning. Don, just in relation to um, the carab, you mentioned your boat earlier on, you mentioned all of that. Uh, the carab is very special to you. You
1: know, since I was a very, very young lad um, my father was always fishing. Uh, so I remember, if it wasn't out in the sea fishing with his brother from Chantal and Michael John, they had a little boat in the docks. They used to go out after lobsters. But then um, he used to go on the carob fishing as well. Uh, different fellas would go, uh, and they'd be fishing in the canals. Uh, but he, he eventually got a boat and went up the carob fishing, and I was there, at a very young age. I'd say maybe seven or eight years of age. So we'd head off most Saturdays and Sundays, if it wasn't going to. We used to go through a lot of hurling matches, but if there was no matches on. The, the the next place we go was the lake anyway. Wow. Yeah. So would you leave from Wood then, is it? We go from the commercial, yeah. Yeah. He was a member of the commercial boat club. Yeah. And um I would been a junior member and a member of that for a long time as well. So we'd go from there. Yeah. But like it was a ritual in the morning, Keith, I mean you when we were going fishing on a Sunday, um you because, on Saturday night. Well, the thing <laughs> the thing about going is you'd either have to go down to mass and the poor clearers oh, yeah. or you go back to the Tlada to get the early mass and then you'd go then yeah. you wouldn't have to be rushing coming down then, you see.
0: Yeah.
1: So it was, I can still remember going into the port layers, Wow. listening to the nuns. You wouldn't see them, but you'd hear them. You'd hear the singing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, wow. that started off the day. And I would say, why'd you go? I said, are you going down there to go to mass, Or, or is it just for luck, for fishing? <laughs> Bit of both, he said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the fondest. When you went to the commercial, I remember Johnny Rabbit. He was, his his wife was my mom's first cousin, and he brought us up the lake a few times. Yes, it was magical as a child to do that. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, that peace of mind
1: and peace of everything. It, and, it, and do you still love the colonel? I still love it, and, and Lord, Lord mercy and John Rabbit, now he worked with my dad as well in Portes, so that name right, re- that's re- right. is, re- is a resonance for me. Uh, no, I still go, Keith. Um, uh, I, I, I go from where I live now in Anakin in Hedford, and um, I, I don't get out as much as I'd like to, sometimes because I'm travelling, but, you know, it's just... When you go there as a child and you're fishing, and you know, we'd make the day of it. You know, the dad would bring either, he'd bring the potatoes, mother would get the potatoes ready and onions and all that would be chopped up and you'd have chops or you might have a few sausages and stuff like that. You'd fry them for the dinner, That's your dinner for the day. Yeah. Or if you if you had a nice trout, you might fry them on the pan as well. You know, mm-hmm. but um it was the whole thing, the wildness of the lake, um, the beauty of it. And, and that time you could put your kittle, you know, I'm talking 50 years ago, you could put the kittle into the water and lift it up and boil it but yeah, yeah. you just can't do that now there's, can you not, no. well there's lots of we still have cryptosporidium is still in the water even though it gets treated by the UV treatments yeah. and the water treatments it's just the the lake is under a lot of pressure you know no, the, the coribus yeah. itself is under a lot a lot of pressure
0: can I ask you just about going back to music then I mean before we started talking at all today you're just back from a long trip to America you're off to Scotland next weekend, so you are. Oh, that's right, yeah. You're you're that busy
1: now. So, are you are you making okay money now? Well, I'm I'm. I have to say, since the COVID, um, you know, I really got lucky. I adjusted my 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 way of working within the music industry, and um, I've started to travel a bit again. But I've I've also started to do a lot more work at home as well. But as uh, before Christmas, I was away with Joni Madden. Woman that has a band called Cherish the Ladies, and she's based out in New York. Uh, she's a fantastic band. They're kind of to, to compare them. They're like the American side of the Chieftains, you know. If yeah. you were just to compare them, she's super. She's super, and super. she's a she's a she's well driven, and she puts a great show together. So we were doing Christmas shows before the Christmas. Wow! All around the East Coast, we done about nineteen gigs, I think, before Christmas, and that'd be you know four weeks hard going, mm. and. um Come back then and get back in on Christmas Eve morning. Wow! tight. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like next Saturday now we're heading to the Celtic Connections in Glasgow, which is a huge festival. Um, that's been going on for three weeks. We play in the Royal Concert Hall there. Uh, that's sold out practically. And who travels with you then, Don? Well, next Saturday now, accompany me in the plane will be Jim Higgins, who will do percussion, as we know Jim here, or Jim Junior, yeah, yeah, Jim Junior, and we'll have. Um, different people that Joni pulls together for the shows. Trevor Hutchinson who plays with um, Lunasa and she has her own team, then her full-time band and she'll bring other guests, she'll bring dancers from America, she'll bring dancers up from all around the place. So it's a a full-on show, you know. Wow. wow, wow. And then I'll be doing cruises later on in the summer with her. Uh, We go to the River Rhine cruise in June, uh, which is down the rivers in Amsterdam, France and Germany. And then this time next year again we'll be getting ready for the Caribbean in twenty four. So Wow. Yeah, it's busy. I've a lot of international work on, but I have to say it has come a long way since the days I was sitting in the corner in Tafts and You'd still, still sit in the
0: corner at half Senator's of the Thursday
1: evening. Well, I, I sat in it lately and I tell you, it was a great place to sit. <laughs> and Coley's as well. <laughs>
0: but do you know what? They're, 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 the, they're the memories we have. They're the memories we make. Yeah, yes, there.
1: yes, there are. And there's lots of people there that I'd have met down through the years. Some of yeah. them have gone. Some of them are still there. So you carry our memories with us. And Isn't it a lovely success story
0: from where you came from to where you are today?
1: Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's I, I think it just... Whatever is for you, it'll sit on front of you, and you have to take the opportunity when it comes. Um, mm-hmm. um, I didn't, I suppose, when I went out in morning in um in my early days. I and we've had this conversation with some of the teachers, past teachers that I've met. I never thought that my journey of life would have brought me really working internationally all around the world, um, and I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of my family that. I'm more here, I'm also proud of my current family who stood behind me. Mm. Uh, and all because it can be hard and it can be very unsociable sometimes when you're leaving your family. Yeah, it's a very yeah. difficult thing to do, but the people around you accept it, so you know, gratitude. I, I just keep thinking the word is gratitude and thanks. Mm. I don't want for anything Else. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say
0: it to you, but I'm saying to you now the first time I saw you was twenty ninety three or ninety four in the Blackthorn Pub in Boston. Oh, that's where I saw you. My God, I remember who was with me at the time as well. There, yeah, some of them were no longer with us. But I mean, that's where I met you first. You were a gentleman then. You're still a gentleman, so you were. Thank you very much. And You really have kept. Um, you've really kept true to yourself and to your family.
1: Yeah, you have to because in our industry, um, there's there's little side roads and little little borings that can, you know, can topple you. You can topple you a small, bit, so if you can keep true to yourself and keep in the middle. And keep thinking of the people that's around you, the young people that's in the industry coming up, help them, advise them, mm. give them a little pathway.
0: Your last bit of music for today, you've given us two wonderful pieces of music, what would you what would, what would? you like to finish with?
1: Well, I suppose um, she'll probably kill me now, but um, I did write a song when I was on one of the cruise ships one time, and I was missing home, uh, and this time of the year, Sir asked me today, this is about, it's called The Promise of Spring, it's about the daffodils starting to come up blooming, growth new life coming and it's about missing people you're away from and um, i'd like to do that song the promise of spring but your heart's far away and i miss you each day when i look at my gold brother rain oh but i'll see you soon where the daffodils bloom and we'll meet for the promise of
0: Wonderful Don Stiff and loads of lovely um, comments coming in about him, but what a lovely person, always has been and always will be. Galbraith, great Don Stiff uh, there, Oliver sits after me with the uh, sport today, Oliver saying Thomas's are dominating and what a commentary and what a game.
2: What a lot of finish, incredible match and it all came down in the end to injury time where mm. Thomas is led by three oh, Lachlan Gale's who had an extra man for practically the entire second half, got three points to make it level. And they were urging St. Thomas' to poke the ball out because they felt they had all the momentum. And if they won the puck out, the chances are Auckland Gales felt they were going to go and win the game. So it came down to the last 60 seconds.
3: The 15 men of O'Loughlin Gales can they repel this line puck out it breaks can Thompson get a score Tony Forrest looks like he has it the man that really has it in his hand though is Jamie Finerty. he's under pressure he's been forced out to the Hawkins outside the field Eiland Burke picks it up he's been put under pressure Eiland Burke swiveling off the left Ada Bork into the 20 metre line what a score going to win it on what a score Aenobork. Aenobork. swiveling losing his balance even what a score Eiland Burke over the bar it's a score worthy and... <laughs> 17 we played 6-3 first we won on the clock he has to puck it out again lads. Paddy Deegan was on it there and he's
1: been pulled back but yeah, it's a, it's a puck out again lads. what a score lads one oh, of the greatest oh, scores oh. we've ever seen at Cope oh. Park great score by Emanuel Burke on his left side score. but he has reached to board. Oh, it's a
3: has. long one and so often he's been the man for times Thomas The puck out it kind of is it held up in the breeze or whatever yeah. there the ball hits the deck David Burke was around there but also there is oh, Sean Walker. his foul is going to be a free for Oracle we played the 4 minutes 18 points for St Thomas's. 17 points for
1: Gales. There's pressure on pressure yeah. on Mark Bergen now. He's out a long way. Definitely on the midfield mark. And he's out near the sideline. They were focused on the game out for but like you know, this is going to come in around the house. He'll go for the score if he's able yeah. to get it. Now there's a fair breeze against him.
3: Yeah, Mark Bergen. And look at the shoe lauder's got into yeah. the pocket, lads. Is he going to go to but Mark Bergen 16 years ago. He was playing the All Ireland Club, the All Ireland post-primary school's final he had a free to equalizer for Kilkenny CBS against sad He missed it. it, hit the post at this very end of the field. Mark Bergen striking the free. It's why? on this way, it's gone to the left-hand side and wide. St. Thomas are on the verge. Down to 14 men since the 32nd minute of the second half, the men from St Thomas's have come with a red and blue warning to take over Crow Park. What a day
0: for St Thomas's! Was that the best free ever in Crow Park?
2: This point to win a All Ireland, definitely. Uh, In a work at the end, Um, extraordinary athleticism on the sideline, moving away from the goal, falling under pressure, tight angle. It's just a genius of a score. And you'd have to say, yeah. Niall Canavan only came in there for a couple of seconds to say, Laz, that's one of the greatest scores ever in Croke yeah. Park. I can't think of a better one. And you can compare it to Joe Canning in 2017 in the All-Ireland semi-final against Tip. But this is just a score that you can play over and over again. The greatest point he, I've he ever seen. He didn't to, even look when he was taking the free. He just hit. Right? Yeah, no, just a, an instinctive shot from Annenberg who Burke, who scored a brilliant point, a little flash, turn over yeah. the shoulder. Uh, with the right earlier on a couple of minutes before that but that's just the, the stuff of dreams and I'd have to say right through Thomas's for me were the better team uh, the sending off was a little harsh in the context of I don't think there was a whole pile of contact so mm. there is a lot of diving going on there was so much going on in the match as well Those scuffles off the ball and it had a real edge to it and that made it so compelling and I have to say the ghost goal that people talk about, what everyone is missing, is that was one of the greatest pieces of defending I've ever seen mm. in my life from Fenton Burke. Mm-hmm. What an extraordinary save first. What presence of mind as the force of the ball and his momentum carried him backwards to keep his hand outstretched. Now, the umpire was poorly positioned because... Both of them had gone behind the goal with the view towards mm. you know getting the best vantage point to see if the ball was going to be flashed over the bar or, or under. So neither of them was in a position. But even if the umpire had been standing at the post, looking across the line, I'm not so sure he could have made a definitive yeah. call. Of course, everybody's going to talk about technology, etc. I'd say hats off, Fintan Burke. One of the great moments uh, of, of defensive play I've ever seen in an All-Ireland final. But chapeau Aina Burke. I mean... Absolutely. He'll never score a better point than that. Come here, the football final was classic. A classic it? game as well. You'd have to feel for St. Bridget's Roscommon. They deserved to win. They dominated for most of the match. They were ahead until it mattered, which is at the full-time whistle. Four points up, four minutes to go. Uh, Glenn from Derry got a point, and then they rescued the game with a goal from Conor Glass, who is a supreme athlete. And then they went on a bit of a burst, got two points ahead. Bridget's pulled it back, but came up one short, 210-112. to 112. So Bridget's, who won their Only All-Ireland the same year that Thomas has won it in 2013, looked like they'd repeated the trick. But unfortunately, match they came eight. up one short. The Galway ladies were beaten 1-6-5 by Cork in a match that barely should have gone ahead at all mm. in the National League. But anyway, Galway gave a run out to some of their girls that uh, I'm sure will be anxious to make... Uh, an impression to Daniel Moynihan as the league continues. They play Mayo next Saturday in Duggan Park in Ballonisloe. Uh, Kerry, the defending champions, they got off to a winning start against the Dubs. Of uh, course, so Goe Mayo on the double next weekend. You've got the Gawe Mayo ladies on Saturday in Duggan Park. The Gawe Mayo men that's on next Sunday in Pierce Stadium. In hockey, great weekend for the Irish men's team. They've qualified for the Olympics. No look for the ladies, however. They were beaten in athletics. What a weekend for the Gawe athletes at the National Indoor Championships for the under 20s and 23s a quick run through uh, South Galway's is David Mannion beat his brother Stephen to gold in the 400 metres Sean Doggett from Athenry getting bronze young Savannah O'Callaghan from Toome led from start to finish to win the under twenty three k walk her clubmate Matthew Newell from Toome won the men's 3k walk 15 year old Connor Penny from Crockwell he won the men's high jump 16 year old Dara Fahy from Loch Reh pulled off a sensational gold medal in the men's triple jump and Liam Shaw from Athenry took silver in the men's shot put and bronze in the weight throw so all in all great weekend for the Galway guys and in rugby Connacht are heading to France in the first weekend of April after that great wind over Bristol on Friday night they've kept their European momentum going they were never really going to make the knockout stages of the Champions Cup but they're into the Challenge Cup last 16 where they go to Po down near the Pyrenees so there's a nice little trip for us we nice. might take in a little bit of skiing on the way as well Keith <laughs>
0: Oh, no, God, we wouldn't do it. Listen, thanks for joining us uh, today. More sports on the hour every hour and loads more about St Thomas. And well done to Sean and to Niall and to Cyril and the crew yesterday. They really did a wonderful job. Loads of comments coming in about uh, Dan Stiff. I'll give them to to you uh, tomorrow morning. But loads coming in there. If it's a thing, though, that you want to get in contact with us, comments at galwaybfm.ie. Uh, we're also looking here at uh, Castle Ellen Road. There's a tree has fallen on the road and it's completely closed as we speak now. And uh, Ballyban residents are calling for a community to stop protests and extend a hand of friendship to those that are coming in. A report also which deals with the deterioration of con- uh, concrete products indeed, will be discussed at a Petitions Commission in Brussels. We'll be talking about that tomorrow morning in the programme. Uh, Galway are looking for your assistance. Not and much more though between... 9 and 12 tomorrow John Morley produced today and um, Fiona took your comments but from your studio Keith Finnegan and all the crew until tomorrow just after 9 have a good and a very safe Monday bye bye now